Amen. What a great reminder this morning that the Lord would lead us to the cross and remind us of our awesome Savior and what He has done for us. If you would be taking your Bibles and turning with me to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at the first 13 verses here in Luke chapter 11 this morning as we continue walking uh, through uh, this gospel to us that shows us uh, in this section we're going to look at what it looks like to, to follow Jesus, what it looks like to walk with God, what it looks like to be a Christian. This morning uh, we're going to be taught from God's Word what it looks like to pray as a Christian. I, I don't know about you, but when it comes to prayer, when it comes to communication, I think we all have probably different um, mindsets or philosophies when it comes to communication. Uh, in my home, my wife and I have different philosophies when it comes to communication. I think that might be a good way to put it. She she focuses more on quantity sometimes, I think, you know. And so she talks a lot more than I do. I feel like I need to wait until I have something important to say, right? And then I talk and talk and talk. It, it's kind of funny because I say that she talks a lot, but I think I talk just as much. It's just I like to have a nice little sermon or two to give her. But, you know, we... She, but it's amazing that she has this ability, and maybe you guys do too, to where she can literally tell me every word she said and every word someone else said for an entire day. Does any of y'all, any of y'all have that, that superpower? Like, I, she, I, she'll, I'll ask her what happened, and she can tell me, well, I said this, this, and this, and they said this, this, and this, and I said this, this, and this. And it's amazing. Like, she can remember all these things. And then she asked me, well, I'll get off the phone with somebody and be like, she'll be like, uh, what did y'all talk about? i like, I don't remember. You know, like, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, that's usually how it goes. How was your day? Well, you know, I don't remember. And then eventually I'll remember something, but it, it comes out in pieces. She, but we still communicate daily on a regular basis. Out of all the people in my life, we talk more than anybody else. I talk with Crystal more than I talk with anyone else, and I would have it no other way. Because she gets me, and she laughs at my dumb jokes. And, you know, like we have communication every day. Why? Because she's the most important person in my life. I'm going to communicate with her. I'm going to speak with her. I'm not going to be like the guy in the story where, you know, his wife says, you never tell me you love me anymore. It's been 30 years since our wedding. And he's like, yeah, I told you 30 years ago. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Like, that's not good communication, guys. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's not the way we ought to operate. We need to talk. We need to communicate. Well, it's even more so true of the most important person in the universe, God. And prayer is the method, the mode that He has given us to communicate with Him. How, I mean, how many of y'all got prayer figured out? You do awesome at prayer every day and you have no concerns whatsoever with your communication style with God. If you got it all figured out, we really need a class, right? I mean, we'll sign up some folks because we, we all struggle through this on occasion. We struggle through what it looks like to truly pray. We need someone to teach us. We need someone to teach us how to communicate with God, how to relate to God our concerns, and then to hear back from Him as well. And so when we come to Luke, Luke's Gospel, verse 1 of Luke chapter 11, uh, we'll look at these first two verses. Jesus teaches His disciples how to pray. Luke 11, 1, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Will you pray with me? 
God, I, I thank you, Lord, I thank you that we do get to talk about prayer. God, I thank you for the privilege of prayer. God, I thank you for the privilege of being able to come into the presence uh, of the, the most important being in the universe and lay our hearts open. God, that we can bring our concerns before you this morning. Father, I pray that as we uh, walk through this passage, God, that you would make it clear and evident to us what it looks like to serve you, what it looks like to honor you, and what it looks like to communicate with you. Lord, I pray that the, the time we spend together this morning would be instructive when it comes to our prayer life. God, I pray that you would transform the way that we pray, and as you transform the way that we pray, God, that you would transform us, that you transform our lives, that you would transform our church, you would transform our community and our world. God, I pray that you would help us to pray as you would have us to pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, Jesus' disciples say, hey, hey, Jesus, we need somebody to teach us how to pray. A common practice for leaders in that day was to teach their disciples how to pray. And we see this in the pattern that Jesus gives uh, his disciples. He gives them a model prayer. Uh, They say, hey, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, if you know, you probably memorized Matthew's version uh, of what we call the Lord's Prayer. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. This is a different occasion. We won't go into all the, the differences this morning. I'm I'm forcing myself not to go down those rabbit trails. There's some differences here, and the reason there's differences is that the occasion is different. Matthew's gospel records for a sermon given by Jesus where this is his disciples coming to him and saying, Master, we want to get better at communicating with God. We want to learn how to pray. Luke points out that this is as Jesus was praying. Luke uh, points out constantly through his gospel that Jesus, he spent a lot of time in prayer. He spent a lot of time communicating with the Father. He spent a lot of time speaking with Him and communicating with Him. He was constantly getting away to hide and pray. Now, if the Son of God feels it necessary to pray a lot, how much more so should we? Right? I mean, but so often we're like that guy, hey, God, I told you I love you. If anything changes, I'll I'll let you know. That's not good communication with the Father. That's not communication with God. We're, we're called to pray. We're called to learn how to pray. And so Jesus says, okay, guys, I'll teach you what it looks like to pray. He says, first off, keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes on heaven. He says, when you pray, say, Father. And so we'll stop right there on that word, Father. We won't look at every single word this way, but we'll, don't get worried. We'll get out in time this morning. But, but he says, pray, when you say, when you pray, say, Father. Well, as we look our eyes towards heaven, as we look upon heaven, we pray to our Father. We don't pray to some random being. We don't pray to a nameless person. We pray to our Father. This indicates relationship. The fact that we call Him Father shows us that it's a loving relationship. It shows us what kind of relationship it is. It's the idea of praying to our Dad. Daddy, it's the, the idea of praying to someone who cares for us and is concerned for us. Someone we're on a first name basis with. Someone that we can look to as our Father. And so when we lift up our eyes, we're praying to our Father. But there's something else that takes place too. Father implies family. He's not just your Father. Guys, when you, when you turn your eyes toward heaven, you're reminded you're part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of God's family. You're part of the people who call upon Him as Father. There's there's a leveling of the playing field, if you would. There's a leveling of social status when you turn your eyes towards heaven. 
We all have the same dad. Like There's not rankings here. We're all part of the same family. It removes any sort of social distinctions. Paul points this out over and over again as you look through the, God, uh, through the epistles to the churches, this idea that there's no more barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. His point was is that when we come into the kingdom, we come in as equals. We come in and we pray to our common Father. There's no more, oh, well, I outrank you, or oh, I'm too good to sit next to you, or oh, there's no more of that. There's a leveling that takes place in our prayers. We're praying to a Father who loves us, to a Father we have a relationship with, to a Father who has more kids than, than just us. We're praying to a Father, and it reminds us that we're part of His family. Something else happens as we turn our eyes towards heaven. Jesus says here, we pray, Father, hallowed be your name. That means your name be kept as holy. Your name be kept as glorious. Your name be kept as special and separate. Guys, we're not praying to our homeboy. We're praying to a father who loves us, but we're praying to a father that deserves our respect. We're praying to the the most important, most powerful being in the entire universe. There should be a humbling that takes place as we look towards heaven. A reminder that we're here and He is there. A reminder that His name is to be made holy. His name is to be made great. We are coming before Him as someone who doesn't necessarily deserve to be in His presence. We're coming before Him uh, being reminded of the fact that our Father's name is to be made holy. Separate is to be made holy. Father, make your name holy. Make your name special and separate. It's a reminder of the respectful attitude we enter into His presence with. That's important. He's not someone that we just rush in on. He's someone that we come before with thoughtfulness and intentionality. Now, there will be some rushed prayers, right? There will be some moments where we're sinking and we say, Lord, save me. But it's with the understanding of respectfulness and and, and uh, admiration towards our Father who is a, a consuming fire. And there's something else as we look towards heaven that happens. He says, say, your kingdom come. Whose kingdom? Your kingdom. Father, your kingdom come. Typically our prayers don't start with, Father, we want your rule to take place. We want your will to happen. Our prayers start with, um, I have a list here, God. I need you to answer these things. And so I have this going on, this going on, this going on, and this going on. And oh yeah, so it's these people I know have this, 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 and this going on. And so after I get all this taken care of, God, if you've got anything else you want me to do, I'll, I, I can maybe pencil that in. But first I need you to handle these things. No, Jesus says lift your eyes toward heaven. Focus your attention on the one to who you're praying and start with his will. When he says your kingdom come here, this, this idea of kingdom is the idea of where God rules, where what he says goes, where his will is obeyed. It's the idea of God's perfect justice being carried out. Jesus tells us here that we are to pray, Father, we want your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's Matthew's version. Uh, in Luke's gospel, he says your kingdom come. He, he doesn't include the whole piece here, but the same is true. We are praying that God's kingdom would come. Not our own. That's opposite of how we pray very often. Very often, God, make my kingdom come. Make my will be done. Now, that, that's backwards. 
We lift our eyes towards heaven and we say, you're the one that's running the show. You're the father, I'm the child. You're the boss, I'm your servant. You deserve to be made holy. Your name deserves to be great. I do, I, all I can do is serve you. See, see, the attitude of prayer that Jesus is pushing us towards here, we begin with this attitude of humility and service and respectfulness towards the one we're praying. An attitude of, God, I want your will to be done in this situation, not my own. It's an overall attitude of service and submission to the Lord. And so he says, keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes on the one that you are praying to. Keep your eyes on his desires, not yours. And then he also says to pray with the gospel in our hearts. Listen to verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And so verse 3 leads into verses 4 and 5. Let's deal with verse 3 and then we'll walk into verses uh, 4 and 5. And so he says, give us our daily bread. What kind of bread is he asking us to, to pray for here? Daily. Like God is not Sam's. You don't go and get a year's supply, right? I'll see you next year. That's not, that's not how we treat God. Jesus says that when we pray for our necessities, we pray every day. We pray for enough for today. His point is, is that we need Him every day. Not just some days when things get really hard and get really tough. Sometimes we think that when we pray, we ought to just pray, well, you know, God, take care of this stuff. But Jesus says, no, pray specifically for your need. Pray specifically every day for your daily need. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough problems of its own. You focus on today. Ask God to get you through today. And so he says, give us each day our daily bread. And so part of this is a daily prayer, but part of it also is the simplicity of his prayer. Our daily bread. God is also not red lobster, right? Bring me some more cheddar biscuits. If we're going to get specific about bread, right? And usually, usually I'm full on those before I get anything else. But, but he says, give us our daily bread, the most basic need, the most basic uh, of the options available to, to sustain you through the day. Lord, just give me what I need for today. Not give me what I want for today. I mean, if we're really honest this morning, the majority of our prayer, is it really about what we need or about what we think we need? What we need to get through today or what we want. Because I really, really want it, therefore I must need it. If we're totally honest, Jesus says we, we put our eyes on the Father. We're praying and seeking His will. And as we do that, we focus on our daily needs. And more than that, we focus on the gospel. We focus on the good news of Jesus. Verse 4 says, forgive us our sins. As we pray, we pray understanding that we have not done everything we're supposed to do. In fact, very often we've done very little of what we're supposed to do and we've done some stuff we aren't supposed to do. Jesus says when we pray, we pray with the gospel in our hearts, meaning that we pray understanding that we don't necessarily deserve to be in His presence. We don't necessarily deserve to get an audience with this heavenly Father whose name should be made holy because let's be honest, if we're truly honest about the way we've lived this past week, we haven't always made His name holy. Even the very thing we've been praying for, we've kind of failed at. I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. Uh, just don't look at that one thing I did. I didn't exactly make God's name holy right there. Forget about that thing that I said or that 
place I went or that show that I watched. I, I know I'm called to make his name holy, but Jesus says as we come before the Father, we come before him saying, Lord, forgive us of our sins. I understand that I have disobeyed you. I understand that the only reason why I get to be in your presence is your grace and your mercy. There, there should be a, a, an understanding of our own inability to please the Father apart from His grace. Guys, the reason why we get to enter into the presence of God is that Jesus went to the cross. In, in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews tells us that we enter into God's presence through the blood of Christ, that we come boldly into the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus, through no other way. That's why when we talk about the cross and we talk about the, the day that Jesus was crucified, we talk about the temple curtain being torn in two. He makes a way, He makes an entrance for us into the presence of the Father. Not through what we have done, but through what Jesus has done. Because let, let's, let's be real, if we really believe and we don't fully remind ourselves that we are sinners and that we are sinful and that God is simply showing us mercy by allowing us into His presence, here's what we'll begin to do and here's what our prayers will begin to sound like. I'm God, I was pretty good this week. I went to church, I read my Bible, I even helped some people out, therefore you owe me. God, I I was good, so I deserve this. I'm showing up to get paid. But if you listen to what Jesus says, He says show up with your hand out like a beggar. I don't deserve it, but I need it. I, I don't, I, there's no way I can earn it, but God, could you please give it? See, we're entering into his presence understanding the only reason we're there is because he is merciful. We, we don't enter into his presence demanding anything. We enter into his presence begging for mercy and forgiveness. But then we have the second part, which we love, right? I mean, we need His mercy and forgiveness. Part of having the gospel in our our hearts as we pray is understanding that this forgiveness is available. Understanding that this forgiveness is given to all who ask. This is a good thing. We want to pray, Lord, forgive me. God tells us, John tells us in 1 John 1, that if we pray and ask Him for for forgiveness, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a promise as much as it is a a command to pray for. It's a promise that it's offered. And so we pray for our forgiveness, but also we pray forgiving others. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Man, I wish we could take that one out. Don't you? Y'all answered and kind of laughed at that, so I assume you do. You sinners, I can't believe you would admit to that. But uh, as we pray, we pray with the gospel in our hearts, not just for ourselves. Forgiveness, not just for ourselves, but for the people who owe us. The people who have sinned against us. The people who have done us wrong. God, please forgive me as I'm forgiving the people around me. The people who are indebted to me. The people who have hurt me. God, as I'm praying for your forgiveness, I'm also praying, understanding that I'm letting go of this grudge, of this anger, of this thing that these people owe me. I deserve it. I deserve an apology. I deserve for them to make this right, but I'm letting it go. God, because I want your forgiveness. And if you're going to give me forgiveness, then how in the world can I hold it from anybody else? You see what, what, what Jesus is doing here? As you're praying for forgiveness, God, forgive me 
and, and in turn, I'll forgive the people around me. If, if you don't, let's reverse that. God, give me what I deserve as you give the people around me what they deserve. That's the opposite of that. See, it's really hard to, to pray with forgiveness, pray for forgiveness from God and when we are unwilling to forgive the people around us. Seems like Jesus had a story or two about that, didn't he? That the difference between him forgiving us and us forgiving the people around us, we've been forgiven of a far greater debt than anyone owes us. And so as we pray, we pray the gospel in our hearts, understanding we have been forgiven, understanding that we are called to forgive. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation, part of the promise of the gospel. It's that we don't have to keep wallowing around in our sin. We don't have to keep being owned by our sin. We don't have to keep failing in our sin, but that we can actually come out of that, that God in His grace and in His goodness has given us a new heart and this new desires and these, this new uh, freedom from sin and from death to follow Him. It's, this idea, as we pray, God, forgive me for lying. Lord, help me to avoid those situations where I end up lying. Help me to avoid this pridefulness that swells up inside of me where I feel like the, the desire uh, for these people to like me is more important than the truth or you know, the desire for me to be, uh, uh, you know, um, get back at them is more important than me showing humility. God, please forgive me for being angry. And as you forgive me for being angry, Lord, help me not to do those things that lead to my anger. Help me not to respond those ways. See, we're praying for His forgiveness, but we're also praying daily for Him to help us grow in His grace. As your prayer life will directly impact your relationship with God. It will directly impact the amount of time or the amount of growth you have. If you're not praying in these specific areas where you keep failing, you're probably going to keep failing. Why do I keep getting trapped by that sin? I don't know. Maybe you need to start praying for God to help you to see a way out of it. God, help me out of this. Help me not walk into Satan's trap today. I fall for it every single day, Lord. Protect me. Help me not to fall for the same old trick once again. And as we pray this every day, you know what God does? He reminds you. Like if every day you're like, Lord, you know, I need help with my anger today. Then you go off and you're angry and you go off on somebody. What happens? Oh, yeah, Lord, forgive me. Help me not to walk into that again. And every day he continually reminds you. And so as you pray for that humility and that, that, that peace of mind and that heart, he has a way of, of changing you. Not perfectly, right? But daily changing our hearts. And so Jesus says, pray with the gospel on your heart. Pray with your eyes on heaven. And, and then the next part here that I want us to see is that we are to pray with this shameless boldness. We're to pray shamelessly and boldly. I, I love this, this story that Jesus gives as an illustration in verse 5. <laughs> he says, and he said to them, which of you has a friend uh, who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And so just to stop right there for a minute, we get the scenario that Jesus gives. He says, how many of you would be willing to go to somebody else's house at midnight and say, hey, give me three loaves of bread. I had somebody show up at my house unexpected. I don't have any food for them. I, I need some help here. Or if you had somebody show up at your house at midnight, he's like, how's that going to work out? Not good, right? 
Verse 7, and he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are, in are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. He's like, how many of you have the shameless boldness to go to someone's house and beat on their door in the middle of the night and say, hey, I need something to eat? Uh, and the person from within, what are you going to say? Those of you with children know what you're going to say, right? I mean, he says, uh, we just all got laid down, man. The door is locked. If I get up, I'm going to wake these babies up. Unhappy mama, all right? Dude, get out of here before you get us both killed. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but my kids have never slept well. Like, this has been a constant struggle. I get so envious and angry. I need to pray through it. All these parents who talk about, oh, my kid sleeps all through the night. We're still waiting on that. I mean, it's like 10 years later, and they're still not sleeping. The other night, Zoe scared us half to death. She was standing right beside her bed. We didn't even know it. Crystal's like, I think I hear something. And sure enough, Zoe was like right behind her. We never even seen her come in. She has to walk all the way around the bed. She was like two inches away. Crystal, I think, almost had a heart attack. And from then on, I had to get up and shine a light, make sure she wasn't standing in the doorway so she wouldn't get scared again. Like, I mean, that's the kind of deal, stuff we deal with. But, but can you imagine you get laid down and you're almost asleep and everybody's quiet. The babies have stopped crying and some dude comes and starts beating on the door. If you are friends, you're not anymore. This is a step beyond friendship, dude. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to be praying for forgiveness. But, but anyway, he says, verse 8, I tell you that though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, because he ain't no more, right? You're not my friend no more. I don't care about you. No, I'm just kidding. But yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. In other words, the guy won't stop beating this is a, a combination of words, this word impudence, between boldness and shamelessness. It has the idea that this, this guy does not know how to be polite. He just won't stop. He says, this guy's beating on your door in the middle of the night, and he's not tapping, he's knocking. And he's not quitting until you get up and give him what he needs. And you are, right? I mean, I'm going to get up before you do wake everybody up and you wake up the neighbors and everyone else. Jesus says that even if he won't get up because he's your friend, he will get up because you wear him out. And he says, that's the way you ought to pray. <laughs> you ought to pray with this boldness, or this bold shamelessness, this, this idea of not being embarrassed, this idea of not necessarily even being polite. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some folks just have this natural ability. The first time you ever meet them, they show up at your house and they're like, hey, can I look in your fridge and find something to eat? Hey, do you mind changing the channel? You know, you know like that, that type of boldness. It, Jesus says that's how we ought to be praying. We ought to come before God and say, God, I know I don't deserve it, but I'm going to ask anyway. I know, I know, God, that I asked for this last week, but I'm going to ask for it again. I know I asked for it yesterday, but I'm going to ask again. And I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to keep on asking. Jesus says that's how we ought to be praying. We ought to be praying with the mindset that God is going to answer our prayer. That we ought to be so bold that we pray loudly. We don't care who hears us. You know how if you're, praying for, or if you're asking somebody for something, you're sort of embarrassed, you sort of ask it under your breath. Or if you're knocking on somebody's door and you're not really sure what they're going to say, you may just barely knock. Or maybe, you know, like when I was, in high school, when you're calling a girl and like, I don't know, I'm kind of nervous and two rings, nobody's there, you hang up real quick, you're like, you know, that sort of thing. Jesus says, don't be like that. Come before God. Look at verse 9 and 10. He, he, he gives us permission 
He says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. In other words, ask assuming the answer is yes. If you know for sure that the answer is going to be yes, you're going to let it ring like 30 times, right? If you're not so sure, maybe once or twice. If you know for sure they're going to help you, you're going to keep knocking. If you're not so sure, you may knock once or twice and leave. Jesus says, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking until you get an answer from the Lord. And so he says, ask boldly, pray loudly. Be, you, you have permission here to not necessarily be polite in the sense that you're praying these bold prayers. I, you ever, I mean, you know, when you, especially when you think about praying for forgiveness, you're like, man, I don't know, God. I, I don't even know if I should ask you for that. And you've already forgiven me a bunch. I keep messing up. It's kind of embarrassing. Pray shamelessly. Pray boldly, knowing that God is listening and that God will answer. And so he, he says, pray boldly and shamelessly. And then also he says to, to pray trusting God's love and his wisdom. Look at verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He, he says, so think about it, guys. Those of you who have kids, he says, so if your son comes to you and says, give me a fish, Dad, I'm hungry, how many of you are going to give him a snake instead? Hopefully None. Or if he says, Dad, I'm hungry, I need an egg. How many of you are going to give him a bowl full of scorpions? Hopefully none. And he says, so if you being evil, he calls you evil, not me. I'm not the one who said that. He says, if you being evil, if you who are evil know how to do good for your kids, how much more so your Heavenly Father? How much more so the, the awesome God of the universe, the all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe, how much more so will He give you what you need? How much more so will He give you the, 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 the gifts that you need, the good things that you need? He's like, why don't you trust Him? Trust His love for you. Trust His wisdom as He answers your prayer. We come before Him trusting that He loves us. That's why we can be bold. We trust Him. We come before Him as His children. Guys, my kids aren't afraid to ask me for anything. They are not. Why? Because they feel like the answer is probably going to be yes. Even though they get told no a bunch, I promise they do. You may not believe it, but they do. But they are not ashamed to say, Hey, Dad, give me this. Hey, Dad, I want this. Of course, as they get older, they're learning. They're a bit more smooth about it. Oh, I don't have one of those. Or, oh, I wish. Well, in fact, this happened to me Friday. I'm learning as a father about all sorts of things. So Friday, uh, we were going to Nan Papal's, and Zoe was supposed to be finding her clothes. And so I hear in her bedroom, she's yelling for her mama. I go in there, quit yelling for your mama. What do you need? I need some pants. I'm like, well, that's a pretty simple fix. I can find some pants. Wrong. Josiah, I can find pants for her. Zoe, not so much. She was like, no, Dad, we can't, I can't wear those. Those are boot cut. Well, what about these? Well, no, those are boot cut. Or those are extreme boot cut. I'm like, I don't see any difference. They're all pants. What are you talking about? And what it comes down to is she wants a certain kind of pants that she only has one or two pairs of. She's like, well, you know, if I had more of those, everything. I'm like, aha! You know? 
gotcha. They get tricky when we try to do the same thing with God, right, don't we? Well, God, you know, if I had more of this, if I had more free time, if I had more money, I'm just telling you, there's some good things I could probably do. Just going to throw that out there, right? I mean, maybe y'all don't do that. I don't know. But, 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 but our kids aren't afraid to ask because they know that we love them and we care for them. Hope, and as they get older, hopefully they learn that we're wise enough to know when they need stuff and when they don't. Because let, let, let's be honest, we've all prayed and prayed and prayed a lot for things, and God doesn't always say yes, does he? Well, why not? Because he's wise and he's good. You see, if we truly believe and we trust in his wisdom, there are going to be times when our Father, as Jesus talks about here, he's our Father, he's wise and good, he knows how to give us good gifts, he's going to say no. Maybe you think you're asking for the right thing, but maybe you're ask, actually asking for a snake instead of a fish. Right? I mean, think, think about just on, on a kid basis. We should not give our children everything they ask for. You may not believe that, but it's absolutely true. You know how I know it's true? We have to childproof our homes. If you don't prevent it, kids will drink bleach. My kids haven't drank bleach, but you know my point. Like, you have to protect them from themselves. Dad, I really want to play in the street. It's got a lot of room out there. No. Man, this thing looks like it would really fit great in that light socket. I bet you we'd get some sparks. No. So yeah, you may think you know everything, you may think you know what you need, but evidence supports otherwise. You have to learn what you need and what you don't need, and your parents are there to teach you that. Well, the same thing is true with God. We don't always know everything we need. We may think we know, but if he actually gives you that job you're praying for, it may destroy you. If he actually removes that difficulty in your life, it may be the thing that causes you to stop worshiping him. If he actually answers your prayer in the way you want him to, it could possibly be the very end of you. See, we, we have to trust his wisdom. I said trust his goodness. That's where we have to land on. God, why do you allow these things? Why do you not always say yes? Because he knows better than we do. And, and so our relationship with him and our understanding of him is going to change the way that we pray and the way we think about prayer. There, there's some areas in our life where we're going to say, you know, God... I think I got this part over here figured out and I got it just the way I want it and so I'm not going to pray about those things. Right? There's areas in our life where you know, we, 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 we trust God with everybody else's life, right? And so we spend a lot of time praying for everybody else. But when it comes to our own, mm, I don't know if I want you messing around over here. Or, God, I need more money. Just, uh, I'm not going to pray about how I'm going to use that money. Right? <laughs> That's free reign after that, right? I don't trust you to tell me what to do with it. God, I need more time, but... You know, don't ask me to pray about how I should use my time for your glory. No, that's, that's mine, right? That's my kingdom. You're just supposed to give me what I want. You see, you see how Jesus corrects the way that we pray? It, it shows us that sometimes we tend to not trust God. Because the, the amount of uh, trust we have for God, the amount of faith we have in Him and His wisdom, is going to be directly related to how much we pray. And that's true for every area of our life. Yeah, I guarantee you this morning, if you do inventory and you look at your heart and you look at your life and you look at the things going on in your life, the areas where you really trust God and you really trust His wisdom, you're going you're to be praying a lot about. And those areas you really don't want Him messing around in and changing up, oh, I, I guess I'll pray about that tomorrow maybe. 
Oh, I guess I'll take care of that tomorrow. Help me grow in you, Lord. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. But if we truly depend on Him, we truly uh, uh, trust Him, we're going to be open with Him and we're going to pray through these things and ask Him to help us and to strengthen us and to guide us through those things. And and so I, I want to challenge you this morning. Ask yourself, do you live like God is real and that God is able to serve, uh, God is able to uh, do things for your good and that he's wise enough to pull it off? Do you live that way? Do you pray that way? What are the things you've prayed for today? What are the things you prayed for yesterday? What are the things you're going to pray for in the morning? Are they areas of your life that you need to grow in grace with him? Or are they things that are in other people's lives? Are they things that don't matter that much to you? You should pray for other people. I'm not saying don't pray for other people. Pray for me. I need a lot of prayer. But, guys, our job is to pray for all of our life. We're, we're called to come before our Father and say, God, help me to make your name holy in every area of my life, not just the areas I want you to mess in. God, help me to live out your will in every area of my life, not just the areas that I don't care about. Lord, help me to depend on you for my daily needs and not try and take care of everything on my own. Lord, help me to depend on you and realize I need forgiveness and realize the people around me, I should forgive them. And God, help me to not fall back into those same things. And guys, pray for these things daily. Pray for them unashamedly. Pray with this bold shamelessness that says, God, I'm not afraid to ask you. But pray trusting that he knows best. Our job is not to be the dad. Our job is to be the kid and say, God, what do you want? You take care of it, and I'll, I'll accept whatever you give me because you're wise and you're good. Let me, let me ask you this morning, as you examine your heart and you examine your life, is, is that how you're living? Or are you living like, well, God, I told you 30 years ago I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. I, I, I took care of that. I don't really need an ongoing relationship with you. This is the very lifeblood of what it means to follow Jesus, guys. Without prayer, your life, your relationship with God is going to dry up and be nothing. Everything flows out of our prayer life. How can you have a relationship with somebody you never talked to? Spend time this week in prayer. Spend time today in prayer. If you're here this morning and you say, I I would love to have a prayer life and I'd love to, to live with the gospel in my heart, but I can't because I've never trusted on Jesus. Let that be your prayer this morning. Lord, save me. Forgive me. Make me new. Give me a new heart so that I can follow you. Give me what I need, Lord, to be saved. Let that be your prayer this morning. If you would stand with us. And as you stand, I just ask you to begin now to examine your heart and ask the Lord where he would have you change, where he would have you um, uh, change your prayer life and the way that you're praying for things in your life. Be honest with him. Be open with him. If you need to come and pray at the, the front down here, you come pray at the front. Come pray with me. But, but pray and ask the Lord to show you those areas in your life where you ought to be giving them over to him. You ought to be showing him dependence and, and, and obedience. And ask him to give you the grace you need to do just that, to truly be passionate about your prayer to him. Let me pray for you, and then we'll, we'll sing. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your love and your grace. God, I thank you for prayer again, Lord. I pray that as we gather in this place and as we leave from this place, that prayer would be something that that is 
in our lives that is evident in our relationship with you on a daily basis. God, that you would renew our relationship with you through our prayer. God, I pray for those who don't know you, that you'd bring them to know you. God, we know that at the end of the day, everything we have and everything that we are is dependent on you. So Lord, help us to depend on you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come as we sing?